All right, welcome back to Tundra Talk, everybody. Uh, today on the phone, I've got my buddy Luke Moffat from down south. Um, it's been a while since I talked to you, so it's going to be good to catch up, I think, Luke. Yeah, absolutely. Glad I could make this happen, for sure. Yeah, now uh, Luke spends probably as much time in the field as anybody I know. Um, man, where would uh, I don't know where would you even start. I guess... Uh, just this year, you, you've had a pretty phenomenal year as far as being there on a bunch of different animals and species and what you, know, you, you guys, you and your wife both take, kind of take full advantage of some of the opportunities we have up here. Yeah, you know, we, I try to just get out and get experiences. I don't have to be the one to pull the trigger. And I learned a thing or two in my time around here being 34 years old now. I feel old saying that. But uh, you, are, I've learned, you are getting old. I'm. I turned 33 here in a few days, actually. So. Oh, you're just you're just a pup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Anything I can do to help people, so I just like to tag along and help pack the animals off the mountain and do that. So, you know, when I tell people I've watched, you know, 20 some, usually on any given year, 20 to 25 big game animals tip over. It's, I might shoot two to four of those annually myself. The rest of them are just going along for the experience and helping other people in the field. So that's, I don't want to, I'm nowhere near just laying waste off to all those animals myself. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That'd be a lot of, you'd have to have a lot more freezer space than I'm sure you have. <laughs> exactly. But, uh, so. what was, uh, what were some of your highlights from this fall? I mean, everybody's already heard mine. I've been complaining because it's been a kind of a slow year for me, which no one really wants to hear it. But you, you really had a had a great year. Yeah, you know, it, it kind of kicked off in well, I mean, the, in February with uh, you know late season caribou or spring caribou, I guess early season, depending on how you look at it. And then went to Kodiak and did a pack raft float hunt with uh, one of my buddies from up in Fairbanks. Steve did them. He got a just over ten foot brown bear. And, and black bear hunting, and then went to Kodiak with the little girl, uh, my wife. We got another couple. Uh, I think we got eight deer, and we had to stop there because that's a full beaver load, and you got four adults that kid and eight deer. So yeah. <laughs> the, the ninth one gets really expensive when you have to pay for another another plane load, so we, we opted to stop there and quit hunting. No, that's, that's awesome, man, yeah. Yeah, people that haven't been in a beaver before, like you can fit a ton of stuff in a beaver. So, um, exactly. Yeah, when you got to stop so. shooting stuff because you're you're going to overload your beaver and have to get another plane, that's pretty. That's you're doing pretty. Yeah, good. Yeah, I mean, we weren't uh, exactly very Spartan. I mean, we brought some nice amenities just because there was four of us. We could. I mean, you're going into the beaver. You might might not. Might as well not pack like you're going in a super cup going on a sheep hunt so oh yeah well and you guys had your daughter with you too right yeah and it, that was a i mean we, she's over a hundred nights in, in the field now with of course way more days than that but uh that was probably the roughest one for us with her as far as we landed on the water i was looking out the plane when it was an hour flight out there and the rain was like bouncing off the water and I was like, Oh my goodness. Cause I guess it was just the tail end of that hurricane or typhoon shim sham or something. Oh yeah. I didn't even know it was going, I didn't even know it was going on, but it was blowing like, you know, typical horrible Kodiak 30, 40 or something like that, you know, and 
Well, and then pouring rain, so we look out and we're like, man, we're going to unload everything, put up the tent, you know, Becca's wearing Molly on her back, and it was a little bit stressful for the first hour, but uh, we didn't it was all right. We just didn't get to really hunt for the first day and a half we were out there, but yeah, still, still able to have a good time, make the most of it. Yeah, and that's pretty impressive, you know. I mean, it even puts me to shame the amount of time, you know, you guys just, yeah, I remember when you when you had her, you're just like, well, having a kid's not going to slow us down, and it hasn't really. <laughs> I mean, you have to well, make we, some adjustments. Absolutely, for sure. I mean, we haven't been on a mountain goat hunt except for the last, I don't know, the last week. That's since 2015, and we kind of curtailed to more moose caribou and, you know, black bear hunts and stuff that are a little bit easier to do that you aren't strictly living off your back, you know. Yeah. So, but uh, we still still to get out and do that as a family is kind of a priority for us. Aside uh, from the Kodiak hunt, one hunt this fall, I think those are the ones I did without uh, Molly and Becca along. So the priority is just doing stuff that we can do to all do together as a family for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, what the heck else was there's so many things I was wanting to talk to you about. <laughs> I'm having trouble getting it. Uh, it's all good. Yeah. Let's see. So you went deer hunting. You did some. Well, I, I saw something. You guys, you guys got caribou this year too, and that's yeah. Se- we went, several caribou we that Molly's been. Yeah. Yeah, Molly's been. I mean, there was the eight deer and the four black bears she was in on. She wasn't there for my caribou, but she was there for two moose. And so, and then she was along on the mountain goat hunt. She was in the base camp. She didn't go up the mountain with us, though. So, but yeah, she, she's a little trooper. We, we take her all over the place. We went winter camping with her last winter, this past winter. While we were out there, got to 53 below. Obviously, we weren't leaving anywhere, but yeah. we had a good wood stove and everything. But uh, yeah, that, that was a little exciting. It's one thing to be out there with you know Beck and I, but you got a you got a little one that is dependent on you to make dumb decisions. That you know, you know changes the game a lot. Oh yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's definitely different. But I mean, I think a lot of people use it as an excuse, and probably me, me myself. But that's so cool seeing you guys do that with her. And we're talking about she she's. Not quite three, right? Because I think she's just a little younger no, she, than my she, son. She's going to be two the end of December. Oh, so she's not even quite two yet. No, she's she's about one and three quarters. I don't know. I don't do the month thing, yeah. so whatever that works <laughs> yeah. out. Okay, someone else can convert the math. Yeah, speaking of, speaking of two-year-olds, <laughs> mine just walked in the door. But, yeah, anyway, let's see. Um, what the heck else was I going to... So you guys, you guys basically this fall. Um, you said eight species you you watched hit the dirt this fall. Eight species, yeah. It, it depends. It's kind of shady because I'm counting brown bear and grizzly bear as two different species. Really, I mean, you yeah. can debate that one way or the other. Yeah. Seven or eight, depending on how you want to throw throw that down. Yeah. But no, that's that yeah. covers the majority of what. Uh, I mean, what really's up here. Did yeah, you, uh, outside of muskox and bison, you know, the, kind of the one-off field, that was pretty good run at it for sure. We got uh, one trip with the guys that the born Becca and Molly didn't go on. We got two moose, a caribou, a sheep, and a grizzly bear. So that was that knocked out four in, in five days. So. <laughs> that's pretty. That's pretty. That's, <laughs> that's laying them down, man, in that short a period of time. 
You know, you, yeah, you were yeah. one of the guys that 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 actually did pretty good moose hunting this year. It sounded like. Yeah, you know, our opener where we were at, it was pretty chilly. I mean, the 30, 30th, right after we got the sheep, it was it snowed on us and froze and everything. Oh, and nice. It froze hard the morning of the first, and then, but then it just got like crazy hot, like everywhere else. I think the moose didn't even know what the heck was going on, just like everyone else didn't know. Yeah. Going on. Why is it seventy five degrees in the middle of September? Yeah, because I mean, I got I think I was sheep hunting. I of course you're a lot higher elevation, but I got snowed on on the 8th of august (laughs) right you know and then now here it is october and we don't quite don't have snow yet right which is abnormal for you guys i mean we don't usually get anything down here in wasilla till after halloween to stick you know where i need to get the plow truck out or anything but you guys you normally have all white around by this time it's it's kind of around that time where any time here it'll happen and with the I think last year was the first year I ever remember there not being permanent snow on the ground by Halloween, and then it you know it happened just a few days after that. But, right. Uh, yeah, been a been a pretty bum fall <laughs> as far as weather yeah. goes up in the interior. It has uh, been. It's been just just hot, but nothing you can do about that. Just kind of try to make the most of it. But yeah, yeah, we did pretty well. Did pretty well this time, so. And uh, I remembered one thing I wanted to talk to you about because Luke's a fellow rifle guy and likes likes stretching the distance a little bit. Um, I guess I was going to ask you what's your latest rifle build because you've been, oh, I mean for years, been putting together rifles, and you're it seems like you're always working on something else. What's the newest one you yeah. put together? I got rifle AZ, so I've always got something that works. Um, so this year I was using a, a seven short mag with a carbon barrel and a chassis. I really didn't even start the long range thing until after Molly came along and I started using, using a suppressor because it's really nice to be able to shoot a game and not have to hurry up and put the earmuffs on, on the little girl while she's in the, the kid carry right behind yeah. me while I'm shooting or I'm holding her and mom's shooting or whatever, you know? Yeah. So... So, yeah, I mean, it, just being able to stretch out a couple hundred yards really makes a big difference. And then if you're going to do that, I mean, I'm a firm believer that you want to be able to be comfortable at twice that distance, you know, practicing just so you can make those, you know, four or five hundred yard shots, like, fairly confidently practicing in the wind and all that stuff, you know. It's not, yeah. it's not, it's not you're just throwing a scope on there and seeing what the back of the ammo box does, dialing up and hope, hope for the best. Yeah, and that that does not generally work out too well once you, no. especially once you start getting out past three or four hundred yards. Exactly. So yeah. yeah, I mean it's it's definitely a new hobby and it's fun to learn. But uh, on the same token, I, I've still not shot anything down five hundred yards personally anyway. But uh, that's uh, helped some other people do that. Uh, one of the guys from Montana came up and uh, we helped him get a moose. He actually shot that one at just over a thousand yards, which was pretty incredible to see um yeah. you know the last three or four years ago i thought that was like crazy but now that i'm doing it myself I'm like yeah it's possible for sure you know but i don't know i just like to get i still like to get close i'm not I, but you can debate that too like oh i like to get close on at 250 yards and above 100 like you're not even in the game so it's almost it's a slider scale depending on what you're doing you know oh yeah and i'm i feel the same way because you see i mean you see this crap bickering back and forth on 
on all this. You know, there was a guy on some of my outdoor life stuff that any time any kind of like thing hinting at long range shooting or even if it's just like practice methods and stuff like that or well, I never shoot anything past 300 yards and well good for you you know and then, yeah but then would talk about making running shots at stuff and that that right. never made sense to me like I would much rather you know obviously within my my range of comfort and with conducive conditions take a take a, a way farther shot way longer shot at a at a stationary animal that has no d- idea I'm there than anything running I mean right. I, I, I that's the last shot I want to take is a running shot at something yeah and that's that's one thing with just getting set up for the long ranges I mean even, we've gotten several kids on with my sister that was never shot a big game animal last year she was seven months pregnant or something like that and you know get her prone behind get her to the hole in the belly and the tongue first or to put that in and yeah and get, get her prone and she made a great shot of i think 350 yards of a caribou you know i put it i put it in the scope and she's like i said do you see it in the scope and she says yes I said, but the crossers are on it i was like yeah that part's on you you're gonna have to do that i, I can't <laughs> i can't exactly just leave it on there yeah but uh it does. It's a lot easier. I mean, I'm suspecting an animal that you know, three or four hundred yards is way better than trying to shoot off hand or sitting at 150 yards. I mean, I'm a firm believer in that. So yeah, I but think, and I think people just get a number like heart wired in their head that it's too far. And obviously, you know, for me, like I think the sheep I shot last year is the. Yeah, I shot a moose one time at 500, and that's the farthest I've shot anything. But, and I will practice out to a thousand or more a lot of times. But exactly, and, and you know, a sit there may be a lot of situations or any situations where I'm in the moment. I'm just like, no, I can't. I'm not going to shoot that far. But at the no, same yeah. time, at the same time, you can't just put a number on it and say anything beyond this is is unethical or is a high, you know, and it just, it kind of gets old. People do that constantly. And that, and that's the right. whole argument is all, oh, well, well, that's too far. And said, no, I, every single, every single situation is different. And there's all sorts of variables you have to count for, whether it's, you know, you're from the atmospheric conditions, the, the wind just down to your shooting position, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's it's so variable. You can't just put one number on things. I mean, there's times I'm way more accurate at you know 800, 900 yards than I would be at 300 yards. You come over, you come over, and stop and sheep, and all of a sudden, it almost knocks you back down the other side that you just climbed up because it's so windy. Yeah. You're not going to shoot anything in that distance unless it's like say at 30 yards. You know. Oh yeah. So you just you can't really just nail down anything. I mean, everyone has different limits, and I'm I'm pretty much like a 40 yard on end guy with with my compound bow with training wheels on it, you know, yeah. there's guys that can, that can do that with traditional gear and more accurate than I am at 40 yards. So I'm, I'm not there to judge anybody. I'm not out there legally and ethically. I mean, more power to them. Oh yeah. And I think that, uh, I think the biggest thing is, is, you know, in a perfect world, if everyone would just, you kind of, a worry about themselves, but, 
you know, understand that every situation is going to be different for every person, you know, the, whether a shot is ethical, and I talked about this a little bit before, my, my stance is, I think, more importantly than just telling people numbers, you, you, you want to teach people to be able to evaluate any situation, you know. Right. Because that, that's the biggest thing, because there's, you know, like, you know, whether it's a rifle or a bow, there's, you know, sometimes longer shots that I feel totally comfortable taking and short shots that I know I should not take. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's just it's a literally a moving target that you're waiting to stop. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I think it's hard to pin anything down. I don't think there will always be people who will you know try to make it their way the more holy way than whatever. I mean, if that makes them feel better at night and makes them feel more ethical, uh, that's great. <laughs> but. Uh, I'm not. I'm not going to get on that bad bandwagon myself. That's what people do. Do what they want to do, and as long as they're doing it right, who cares? Yeah, yeah, I hear you there. And uh, let's see. When we were, you mentioned suppressors, I was going to ask you what kind of do you? How many cans do you have? If you if you're okay disclosing that, and like what what kind of <laughs> suppressor do you like to run on your hunting rifle? Uh, well, my brother put me on his trash uh, forever ago, and then, so last year when he got Molly, I was legally able to use him, and yeah. I kind of, I never really thought there was much of them until I actually used one, and I was like, well, this is actually a valuable thing, especially for with kids, and it is nice for me when I go out now, because I have to, you know, worry about blowing my ears off, ringing ears, which everyone does, anyone says they always put it in your protection of line, or they can't yeah. hear themselves. <laughs> so, oh yeah well and um, especially if you know guys that use use brakes on you know and there's nothing i on my hunting rifles for that purpose i i do not put brakes on them but right but a you know a suppressor will reduce your recoil too it does it's about you know in between having a brake and not having a brake as far as yeah. recoil mitigation but uh just to, being able to have that noise you know, everyone's not, if we're on an animal, we're all talking and whispering at each other. We can all hear what each other are saying without having to yell over some, you know, earmuffs or earplugs or whatever people are using at that moment. But uh, it, it's definitely not a necessary thing, but it's definitely made it a lot nicer, especially hunting with Molly along. She's been along on quite a few animals getting shot, and, you know, i is it, I'm at the point where, I, 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 as you know, as a father, you'll rather mess up yourself no matter what just to keep your, your kids healthy and yeah. in perfect condition. So, <laughs> yeah. So, the investment of a suppressor, I think I have three personally right now. I have a couple more in, uh, in waiting to get cleared to get there. One will be a 22 for when Molly's old enough so that she can shoot that and. You mean a twenty two is not crazy loud anyway, but you put a suppressor on it and it takes even more of the fear factor out. So Yeah, that Yeah. It uh and you you, know, you like kinda like you said earlier, it was uh kind of before you've shot them and after you shot them. It's kind of a totally different world. You can really see the, the value of them and I mean they're yeah, I, cool. I thought they were just practical. an expensive thing. Like you could buy a ton of earplugs for a thousand dollar suppressor. Yeah, I can load up the back of my truck with the earplugs. Yeah, but at the same at the same time, after you after I did, I was like, okay, well, this is kind of a no brainer, especially for 
hunting with Polly. So that's what we kind of saw in the, the light behind it. And, uh, we try to use them when we can. And so, I mean, as a result, I've always been kind of a guy that has short barreled rifles anyway. So just threading the ends of them so you can accept a, a suppressor and use that makes it a lot, lot nicer for sure. Yeah. And having that shorter, yeah, having that shorter barrel will, they're not quite as gangly and, and, and awkward to, to carry around, and especially you're going through brush or whatever. Yeah. On a shorter barreled rifle like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, you can take them off. Like, when we were going on the goat hunt last week, we probably should have just put our threat protectors on. And, like, once we broke into the alpine, put them on because, you know, when they're in the pack, it's yeah. six inches extra or seven inches extra on the end of your rifle barrel is a pain in the butt and the elders. I mean, that's just a fact of life. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we kind of messed. We kind of messed up there, but uh, live and learn. And I mean, I'm only in my second hunting season as a suppressor, so we'll figure it out. Dial it in even better. Oh yeah, I'm sure they. Uh, I've only got three myself, and uh, well, one I bought. Well, it was probably ten years ago. Just a stainless solid, um, thirty cal can. And the nice thing that, you know, I, I they're getting more well-known. And so I don't think it's as big of a quote-unquote secret anymore. But just, you know, having an overbore suppressor is so handy. Um, oh, yeah. I've shot that 30 cal can. I, I would shoot, you know, it's it's rated for up to 300 wind mag. So I'd shoot it on 30 cals, shoot it on a 223, down to my 17 Hornet even. It'll, it suppresses phenomenally. Um, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, I shoot my 30 cals with a 22-250 all the way up to, you know, 300 wind mags and 300 short mags and stuff like that and everything, everything in between. Just, and it is nice, you know, I can work on loads and side a minute here in the yard too. So it, that, that adds a, you know, takes a step out of the process when I can literally load a bullet and then run outside and see how, see what this velocity is and how it's grouping and all that too. So. Oh, big time. Yeah. It, uh, and I was going to say the only, uh, I had that one can for, oh, it's been till a couple of years ago. And I finally, I got a hold of one of those silencer co hybrids. Oh yeah. I got, that's one of the ones I got waiting to stand by. Hopefully it gets here before, uh, I got, I got a Kodiak Brown Bear tag that my dad and I each drew. Oh, so nice. Not, not, a party, not, not a party draw. We actually just both put it individually because we're both going regardless of, yeah who draws we just both happen to draw and uh so i'm hoping to be able to put one on the end of a 375 because that's the whole reason why i bought the hybrid because it's like the do all everything oh yeah and that's uh (laughs) what i was going to tell you (laughs) but i but uh that thing you will be happy with that can i think and they those guys told me that it's they you know it's rated it'll handle up to you know a 338 lapua and right uh, you know, like a 375 Ruger or H and H. You know, I've I haven't got mine threaded yet, but I will one of these days. But yeah, it's if if you know for the listeners, if you haven't heard about that can, it's a uh, Silencer Co. and it's got I think 46 caliber baffles. Yeah, and it's got removable end caps on either side. It's just a totally modular can, I, and I would say if. A person can only have one suppressor. Get 
that's the one to get. Um, Absolutely. I mean, they make end caps down to two, two, three. If you want to, I mean, it still will be quite as quiet as a two, two, three can. It'll be obviously larger, but yeah, if, if I had to do it all over again, that would probably have been my first one just because it'll literally do everything you have in your gun safe. Yeah. I, uh, and I've shot mine a lot on a two, two, three and 17 Hornet. Um, and we shot it even on a, on a, but he had a Volkortz and 17 HMR and that thing, it suppressed it phenomenally, even with just using the 30 cal end cap. But nice. it's so cool. You can get, uh, you can get direct thread, you know, I don't know what direct thread adapters for both, mm-hmm. um, half by 28 and five eighths by 24 you know so basically both of your major rifle threads and you can get they also you can get the asr like the kind of quick detach adapter for their brakes and uh and i so i've got see i've got the asr adapters i've got a couple of the straight adapters and i also have that the pistol adapter the piston kit for it Oh, nice! And shoot it on a nine millimeter, and with subsonic nine millimeter loads, it's as quiet as any other handgun can I've shot. Right, it's that's a, impressive, and yeah. it's it's light enough to where it's not super awkward on on you know I have mine on a Glock 17, and it's a little beefier than some of the handgun cans that are out there, but it's not that bad. No, I mean if you're just gonna have one can to rule them all, essentially. I would definitely be the be the one I would choose. You know, I have some, you know, some Thunder Beast thirty cal cans that I use for some of my precision rifle stuff. But uh, I mean, I do everything direct thread just because I like to be able to swap and out to buy special proprietary things for every rifle I have. Yep. So I'd rather just just thread everything to five eight twenty four or you know half by twenty eight and bushing up or whatever whatever you need to get. But I, I find that has been year for me than trying to buy proprietary uh like the asr mount and stuff like that i just kind of direct thread for everything yeah and that's and there's nothing wrong with that at all but it's it's just nice to have the option and and mm-hmm. to be able to shoot it on a hand you know whether it's a nine millimeter or 45 yeah you know you can yeah, shoot have, it on a handgun too the other one i have is a sensor called omega and i actually got the took the break off the end so now it's six inches long and uh, like 11 ounces or something like that. So, you know, I have a 60-inch 308, and it's still only 22-inch barrel by the time I put that on there. Then, you know, that's yeah plenty for most of my, my hunting needs in general. So, Yeah, and uh, speaking of the 308, so you're not one of these guys that thinks it takes a 460 Nitro Express or whatever to, to kill a brown bear, huh? <laughs> no, I... You know, I, between grizzly bears and brown bears, I think I've seen about 35 shots. Yeah. Maybe five of those are myself, personally. Um, I don't know. Not in my experience. I've probably seen over half these with my magnums and magnums. And you just got to get them in the right spot. Like, everyone says, you know, bullet placement is paramount, you know. So you put a 375 hole in the gut, that's not going to be as effective as a 243 through the lungs. So. Yeah. Um, so yeah, two years ago I took my wife down. She drew a Kodiak brown bear tag. Now I sound like we're just in fishing games back pocket now because I just talked about three that we drew. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> we plan for spring tags in crappy areas. You're, 
you're one of the you're one of those guys. <laughs> one of those guys. But uh, she had a three. She had a twenty barrel three hundred eight, and I was backing her up with my three thirty eight out six. And uh, she dropped to her nine and a half foot bear in one shot with her three hundred eight at two hundred yards. And, uh, I mean, it's great. You know, what you want is a one shot drop. Ideal everything. I was hoping to get a little bit of trigger time to you know yeah. play backup, but yeah. <laughs> that that wasn't necessary. I never got in, never got involved. So that's no. I mean that's ideal for sure. But yeah, I mean that's pretty typical. I mean placement is everything. I think there's also something to be said for a bear that knows you're there versus one that doesn't. You know, anything is whether it's a person or an animal. Yeah, and there you know. You can hit them in the right spot, and that's a totally different thing. I mean, the one she shot was unsuspecting. We had no idea we were there. The wind was perfect. So, yeah, I, I think mean, that's, that's that's a key too. Because I mean, I'm the interior grizzlies I've shot and seen shot with a bow. I mean, you're shooting them with a sharp stick. If they right. don't, if they don't know you're there, even one did know we were there, and you know less than 100 yards. I mean, actually, all of them were less than probably 75 yards. So it's just, I mean, shot placement is just, and, and good bullet construction. You know, you don't want to go yeah. shooting a brown bear with a two forty three with ballistic tips, you know, necessarily. Yeah. <laughs> but You, you uh, got to make it to where it's going to kill it first. And then you gotta work. That's like, after you got that far, you're pretty much good, but... Yeah, I think I mean, you got to make it. You got to make it into the vitals, otherwise it doesn't count. Yeah, exactly. And uh, my buddy Steve Hollenbeck, his girlfriend this spring killed killed a nice brown bear with a seven oh eight. You know, nice. so I mean, it's you just I don't know. It it always irritates me when people say it doesn't work. Yeah, obviously the biggest cartridge you're comfortable shooting is one you want to take, but you know they they'll dissuade people from going or. You know, some people it'll prevent from going and doing some of this stuff because they think they don't have a big enough rifle. Yeah, and I've kind of got away from suggesting stuff of when people ask me. I've gone to a more or less that'll work too because really, most anything will work. You know, within reason. So if someone says such and such cartridge is that good enough for a moose or good enough for a brown bear, I'm like, yeah, that'll work. You just got to put it where it's supposed to go. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not going to go advocate someone go buy a you know, a new rifle or a new scope, unless they're just looking for an excuse to them, by all means, they got a laundry list of stuff they need yeah. with air quotations <laughs> that they couldn't possibly live without. But by and large, I mean, most of the time, you just get the right bullet, you know, go out and practice. And when, when Becca got that brown protection, we really wanted to get good, but she was still in position. So we brought the backpack out to the range, sitting off the backpack, throwing off the backpack, you know. People were looking at us weird, like, why aren't you on the bench? That's what you're supposed to be doing here. But, I mean, that's that's where, that's the reality of it. You know, you're shooting from field positions out there. You know, unless someone's hauling a bench out there, which I'm not man enough to do, no. I'm going to be shooting off a backpack or something. Yeah, and that's – and I think that is – I don't know if overlooked would be the right word. It's definitely – under practice, you know, field position shooting is definitely under practiced, even by myself. Yeah, yeah. you know, because I mean, I I shoot way too much prone off of a bipod and a rear bag. Whereas, it's like, great, I can put something in a half inch, 
But then if I open up to, you know, an inch and a half at 200 yards or something like that off a backpack, then it's like, well, what good is having this uber accurate gun is if I fall apart? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it's, so. Uh, I don't know, it's all a balance and, and really for anybody just practice and being comfortable with whatever rifle you're shooting I think is, is the best way to go. Yeah, I mean, most of these cartridges are, especially with what we have today that are I mean, even the Remington Corlock, the most deadly mushroom in the woods has worked I've shot a lot of animals you know green and gold boxes yeah I did, way before I knew they weren't supposed to work for me you know yeah so. <laughs> although I will say like that generally that stuff has been some of the most horrible accuracy wise shooting ammo I've ever shot oh yeah I mean it you're very rarely going to see some two two MOA on what, I, what in my experience. But you know, growing up, it was always you know, can you hit a dinner plate at 200 yards? Yep. Okay. Well, we got to get within 200 yards. Which how do we even know that because we have a range finder? But yeah, that's yeah. a whole other story. Yeah, isn't that a, a different <laughs> a different time where you know. Oh, go to check your Z and how like spoiled we are now a little bit. <laughs> go check your zero or, you know, yeah, same yeah. thing, like a paper plate at, at 100 or 200 yards, whatever it is. And up oh, we hit it. I guess, you know, we're good to go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, I think a lot of people still do that. And there's probably a vast majority of people still put meat in the freezer that way. I mean, it's not saying it doesn't work by any means, but uh, it kind of, you don't know what you don't know, I guess. Yeah, where I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting irked if I can't get, you know, if 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 it's like right at perfectly zero is between clicks. Yeah, exactly. But uh, yep. yeah, speaking of uh, rangefinders, uh, what kind of what kind of rangefinder do you prefer? Um, you know, I've or been around been quite a. Quite a few, and I've pretty much been using Leica for myself. I have a, a 2700, which dude, someone can Google that and see how retarded I am for spending that much money on one. But, uh, yeah, it's been really nice. I'm going to go out and shoot beyond a mile with my 7 with and just dork around. I'm not shooting game, just in case anyone wants to shoot yeah. at rocks and stuff, just to practice and learn my wind calls and how atmospherics affect the bullet and all that. But uh, being able to range out beyond a mile is, is nice. I mean, even for planning my stocks, I'm like, okay, this thing's 2,200 yards away. If I get up to that rock, it's 1,900 yards away. I can make a good shot from right there. And that's a good, you know, that's a good point. I, uh, as much as anything, I use my range finder for planning stocks. Like that same thing you mentioned. It's all right. Well, they're this far away, and you know, ranging rocks and just, you know, trying to plan a stock to get to a shootable position. I don't, I don't, I don't think that's talked about near as much, you know, I don't know. I would, I just kind of assume that everybody does that, but I don't know if that's the yeah. case. I, I don't know if everyone else does that or not. Uh, a lot of people I go hunting with don't do that or they're like, Oh, that's a good idea or whatever. But yeah, it's a definitely, I mean, you, you paid money for this thing. You might as well use it as much as you can. For sure, short of running batteries out of it. Yeah, yeah. I uh, for most of my hunting, I've been using the you know, those uh, Swarovski ten by forty two ranges, mm-hmm. and 
I've been really happy with those. They, uh, I have typically have a hard time getting out all the way to a mile. Usually it's about 1500, depending on the, you know, how reflective the target is I'm looking at trying to hit. Right. Um, but for, I mean, for hunting purposes, they're, they're great. I would say not bow hunting, obviously, cause they don't go under like 30 yards. Right. But, but uh, yeah, by and large, I mean having the having the rangefinder built in. I mean, it is a pain. There's, I mean, this is first world problems having to cross over from our binoculars over to the range. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, oh my goodness, I had to do something like that. How could I possibly do anything? But uh, I mean, that is a nice feature to have it built in for sure. I just I haven't haven't swapped over to that. Yeah, I mean it's yeah. <laughs> they're just it's my my favorite pair of binos and happen to have a rangefinder so for i mean my rifle hunts that's obviously my go-to i do have um one of the one of the loopholes it's a little older like 1200 yard ones or the dna mm-hmm. 1200s and i've been really happy with those with that rangefinder too it obviously doesn't quite get the range that the that the suara one i have does but uh um, yeah, it seems to be very, it seems to be very accurate, you know, in, in stuff that I've measured out at least during you know for archery distances. Yeah, I mean, and part of the reason I got the the high dollar like twenty seven hundred is even this last year four days ago when we went out and caught my buddy and Booth on a late season draw tag. He he shot this at three hundred fifty yards with in like the blowing snow and everything, you know, and have a more powerful laser that. Could Keep through all that snow and come back. Yeah, definitely, definitely um, helps for sure. I mean, that's part of the reason we're like, oh, this thing's three hundred fifty yards away. We're in range, he, and he, you know, he smoked it. Granted, we got up there, and I was trying to range back to find it, and the fog rolled in. I could barely see the ranger, and like, you know, all of a sudden, I couldn't range back. So yeah. even, even every everything has its limitations. But I, I know that you know some of the, my previous rangefinders wouldn't have been able to give me a positive range back on on that particular move. Oh yeah, yeah. That anytime you get that snow or fog, it, it can cause big problems. So that's kind of neat to hear that that one actually, it, at least in that circumstance, worked great for you. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely helped for sure. I mean, but like I said, it even it has its limitations. By the time I got up there to where the roof was, it was ranging back, trying to make sure we were in, in the right zone where it was because of course dumped over in some alders and looking for it. Uh, yeah. It was uh, he couldn't couldn't quite range back to what I needed. All of a sudden, it's, you know, I'm 350 yards away. I'm knowing right where it's supposed to be, and it's telling me 36 yards. I'm like, well, all right, put this thing away. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, at that point, you're just relying on what everyone else has done for years, and just you know, go for landmarks that you know where, where you shot it and everything. And we were we had you know, it was a family hunt. My wife and daughter, and his wife and daughter. And, they were in obviously with snow, snowing and cold, so they were less than impressed with the whole scenario. So yeah. there was we, we didn't have very many spotters to guide us into the, where the moose was. And when they stayed back, they were too busy trying to keep hands cold and changing diapers and stuff. But that's the reality of hunting with kids. So yeah, <laughs> at, at end of the day, we came home with the moose. It was just a little bit more work and a little bit more walking around aimlessly in the alders for a little bit. Oh, but the but the memories of that are oh yeah, <laughs> and that's kind of the thing. You know, a lot of those situations seems like you find yourself in where it just seems terrible and awful and you just can't wait to get over it and you're mad because 
this is going on or whatever. It's like those in hindsight are some like the most fond memories. Yeah. Yeah. That's like my buddy, like we got to go last week. He's like, well, I'm pretty sure you cured me from ever wanting to go mountain go hunting. I was like, here, you know, draws are coming out or drops are coming out November 1. You got three weeks and you'll, this will be, the pains will be gone by then. And you'll have the, at the goat rugs are forever pains temporary. So, yep. <laughs> so he'll, he'll be applying again. I, I know for a fact, I'll, I'll, I'll talk him back into it. So, yeah. I'm a bad influence like that. Yeah. <laughs> now, for your personal opinion, if you could only hunt goats or sheep from now on, what would you pick? Uh, I would probably pick goats just because I like the low stress of finding legal animals, which that yeah. makes the sheep that much more rewarding for sure. I mean, like we got a, a pretty dandy 11 year old this year. Sheep helped my buddy get on and, uh, he made a great shot on that one, but, and that was super cool for sure. But I'm, Unlike you, I've only seen 11 sheep shot. I haven't shot 11 personally, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so, but, you know, I've been in, that was the 25th mountain goat last week that I've helped haul off the mountain. And, you know, they're, they're both got their own cat challenges. By and large, goats are in some nastier country, and I do have to alder whack most, usually worse to get to the goats and yeah. stuff. And, um, it just kind of depends. I'd much rather chase sheep in August and goats late season just because the sheep doesn't really matter too much on the hide whereas you know I shot one I've been in the very first goat hunt I did in 2009 with my dad we shot a goat down on the Kenai in August and that thing was sheer and then I went later that year in October and saw how fluffy they get and I was like you know what the difference between a blue crock at 10 incher and a okay billy at you know 8, eight and a half incher is an inch and a half but when you're talking 6 inches difference in hair length that's a big deal. So I'm pretty much going to never hunt goats beyond or earlier than the end, third week of September, probably. Yeah, I think that's. I've killed two in September, and they were getting pretty good. You know, they weren't they weren't primo, but they were getting there. Um, right. So, but yeah, I could de- I could definitely see that. I was actually pretty uh, pretty impressed with those goats. The hides on the goats we got in March. Um, right at the end yeah. of the season, I know sometimes they tend to start ripping hair out, like where they've been bedding down in the snow all winter. But right. um, from what I could see, and some of that you may not be able to see till it comes back from the tannery. But uh, you know, from what I could tell, they were still in really good shape. Yeah, I've been chasing goats down there. One fourteen and one at fifteen, and the first one was like middle of. February and 15th, I think it was the first week in March. And uh, between November and uh, basically March, or February and March, they really don't put on that much hair is what it looks like in the sample, you know, six yeah. or something like that. So, I mean, by the time you're in November, I mean, I would rather hunt them in March, mainly because you got like three times the daylight or something like that. I don't know if you look up the almanac on that, it's not really three times. You know, when we're down, I feel like to work with in March than you do in November. So that's a huge advantage to you going goat hunting, which is part of the reason why I go spring bear hunting too. I'm giving some new people away my secret of why I'm playing for spring. Plus, I have ADD and want to chase deer instead of yeah. focusing on bears. But uh, in the spring, you you got way more daylight to work with, and you're focused on, of course, bears only. Just like goats, you know, you got way more day, daylight to work with. So that's. 
that's kind of why I either if, if I'm not going in the first week of of October the second, I'm probably going to wait till spring to go go hunting anymore, unless they shut that hunt down and don't do the the spring deal. But it's kind of cool because I mean, you, you you've been cooped up all winter and you're looking to go do something, and February and March rolls around, you're like, well, it's not terribly cold, and it might not be totally horrible on Kodiak this time of year, so let's go do this. Yeah, it's I think it's a really in, in a really good opportunity, and uh, man, I had a blast this last time. Um, you know, you deal with a little bit of weather, but it, it's just a weird time because, especially coming down from the interior where it's still pretty yeah. dark, you know, <laughs> get dropped out of the day we got dropped off on the beach. It's sunny, and I'm like, man, we just forgot the the umbrellas and beach towels. Exactly. It, it, it can definitely be that way for sure. The first time we went down in the middle of February, it was like, I don't think it ever really froze overnight for us. Oh, wow. And and then the, the next year in March, I guess I was 15, I think we had like 50 degrees in, in the valley in January and stuff. So we're like, oh, yeah. March is awesome. We're going to go down there. Well, it, iced up, it was so cold that I stuffed the baby and wanted to fly into it. So we had to land out in the main part of the day and hike in. Yeah. And we had single digits every morning. We would wake up in the tent early. Well, this is not the spring goat hunt that I yeah. was anticipating. So yeah, we kinda, better get hiking just so we get warm. Yeah, we kind of hit it. I don't know if we'd have been a week and a half earlier. I would have liked to hit where it was a little bit colder because when we got there, everything was still froze. All the fresh water was froze, and uh, you know the snow was dead. But every day the snow was melting off and getting higher and higher. And um, I mean, it was still a fantastic trip. But like you said, it's just a kind of a neat thing to go do in the spring when. Really, in March, you know, for the most part, if even if you're trapping, trapping season's getting wrapped up. Um, yeah, bears aren't out yet, so you can't go do that. So, now they, some bears, they were they're out down there. <laughs> they weren't really. Yeah, yeah, they're out down there, but you can't do anything about it. <laughs> yep, but uh, yeah, we almost on that trip, we almost potentially had. It reminded me of that guy uh, that was spring bear hunting a few years back that shot one and then walked by that den and that sow came tearing out of there and tore him up a little bit oh yeah, yeah that was those those pics were pretty brutal uh, yeah I mean, I, uh, i'm all i'm all good with like and i'm like there's no way i could be a nurse like my wife is same same thing here man i could it, it's just weird. I get the heebie-jeebies or, or watching medical shows with her or something, you know. You know, I, right. I, I can peel wolves or anything all day long. doesn't bother me a bit. But when <laughs> working on people or, you know, trying to stitch a person back together or doing surgery or something, uh, not for me. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's not my cup of tea for sure. But... Yeah, do you uh, are you guys planning on trying to get down there this coming spring for goats at all? Um, I probably won't just because we got the the uh, spring bear deal going on. Oh, so that'd be you know go, right. going down in March and then going coming back in the you know at the end of April or whatever. Whenever we decide to go down there, yeah. So had we not had it not been so unfortunate to grow, yeah. we'd <laughs> probably be looking a little more heavily at going down there. But yeah. uh, being as I'll be going down there once the spring, you know, probably won't. Yeah, of course. Uh, and I guess what I was getting into, and I was asking you if you'd pick sheep or goats, 
I really enjoy both of them. I just I have a hard I have a hard time getting as excited about goat hunting as sheep hunting. I don't I don't spend near as much time dwelling on it. I think when right. when I get there, I'm excited and, and like let's go do this and whatnot. But um, I'm not near as picky yeah. as I am on. Well, obviously, sheep you kind of have to be picky to a certain point, or they're not legal. Right. But uh, yeah, I don't know. This yeah, it'd been a few years since I've been goat hunting, and I shot a really big billy in the Chugach, and then uh, yeah, I went down there, and I was just. Like yeah, we're just gonna go down and have a good time and shoot some goats. We were gonna shoot four of them, but uh, the weather kind of we booked. We were out there the last gonna hunt the last week of the season, and you know a big storm was coming in that you know we decided to pull the plug after we each got one because the next you know the following day it was supposed to hit, and in hindsight we would have been stuck out there for four days after the season was over. <laughs> oh wow. But, yeah, that would, that would work out too well. For no, sure. that would have been. You know, you talk about getting like being unhappy, getting weathered in the tent. You know, when you're weathered yeah, in the tent, you start running out of food. Goat meat's not very good all by itself. That's for yeah. sure. <laughs> well, that and you, <laughs> you can't, can't, you, can't cook it go, in. you can't go shoot another one because the season's over. <laughs> exactly. But, exactly. But no, it was it was a really fun trip and. I don't know about this spring. Um, I'm going to try to get a muskox tag this spring, I think. We'll see. Are you going to do the, re- the registration deal over there? Yeah, we'll see if all you Anchorage guys don't get them first. Like no, I, I've never applied for muskox in my life. So don't <laughs> worry about me. But, Just like bison. They hate me for all my draw tags, but I don't apply for muskox or bison. So. Yep. Well, that's... <laughs> And the bison's another funny one. You know, everyone gets so mad. Oh, fishing game's hosing me because I didn't draw bison, which is like, you know, 0.2% chance of draw. Yeah. Come back after 200 years. Then you're really yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's funny, some of, the, some of the shenanigans that you hear people complaining about up here. Right. But, uh, exactly. What the heck else, man? What else? You got your kids out at at all? Uh, I took the I took my son out bird hunting a few times. He went. We went down to our in laws' um, place moose hunting a few mornings before I went out on my moose hunting trip. And uh, oh, he likes it. He's going to be a savage. Nice. Got him. Got him shooting little bow and arrow. He's shooting and. Yeah, that's that's way cool. If he's if he's into it, you don't have to like make it something he's just owning it himself. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, and that's that's something you know. I I do, I want him to like it because he likes it, not because he doesn't have a choice to like it. <laughs> right. That's kind of we're at we're with Molly. I mean, we do a whole lot of summer backpacking. In fact, we took her over Chilkoot Trail just because I'm a kind of Alaska history dork, and I've always wanted to do it anyway. So it was super touristy, but it was fun four nights five days yeah. to do it and uh yeah took her up over the over the top of the mountain or joku pass golden stairs whatever you want to call it but yeah we i mean we we have my wife and i beck and i really like the backpacking part so if we can kind of get her to at least like that part and then realizing like cheap and just that with a gun you know yeah <laughs> oh well and and i don't know i think 
she's not even two years old. Like it's okay for a while for them to not have a choice. <laughs> yeah. Know? Oh yeah. She's coming along whether she wants to or not. Yeah. So, you know, and just growing up in that lifestyle, they're, they're going to naturally to a degree, like what you guys like. And, yeah. I mean, you know, she just doesn't think anything is sleeping intense because I mean, she has, you know, over a hundred nights in them now. So yeah, <laughs> that's just part of, part of the gig. Yeah. Uh, my kids, both of them now, they, they, you put them in a tent, they won't go to sleep because they think it's so cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, my son here, the last time we slept, the last time he wanted to go camp out in the yard and uh, here in September, and it was a pretty chilly night, and <laughs> every couple hours he'd he'd kick himself out of his sleeping bag in his sleep, and he'd wake up, too cold, too cold, so I'd just jam him back in his sleeping bag, and he stayed out there all night. I was pretty impressed. He didn't right. ever want to go back inside. Yeah, he's a trooper already. That's good. Yep, he's too tough for his own good to a degree. <laughs> yeah, when their hands are beat red and they're still out playing and wanting to throw snowballs. Yep, start screaming at you when you drag them inside, otherwise they're going to get frostbite. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yep, but uh, yeah, so... I don't know. Is there anything anything else you got planned here for this this winter this winter spring aside from that brown bear hunt? Or are you just going to kind of lay low? Uh, well, you know, in the past I've been helping out with Unit Thirteen caribou just because I grew up kind of even at Unit Thirteen and helped fill some tags there. But uh, that's all shut down. So no, I'll probably just be going up, still going up to go into Unit Thirteen, and go winter camping or whatever with Beck and Molly riding around putting up. Uh, wood at the moose camp and whatnot, but nothing, nothing too crazy for hunts planned. Which is pretty unusual, even going up until at least November. But yeah. it's weird to be not even halfway through, or I guess we're just over halfway through October. And I'm I'm pretty much done until April. Yeah. Short short of uh, I, I think we'll probably start doing you know spring bear on sleds at a in unit thirteen, but uh. And then go down. Of course, I won't be shooting a, a one, but like usual, I just go along to try to help people find stuff. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's what I. Do. Oh, you you got a tag in a rifle? Let's go do this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I, uh, you know, where we went moose hunting, I told this guy they were asking if we'd, you know, ha- have a chance of seeing grizzlies, and I was like, well, yeah, we got a chance of seeing them, but I'm not shooting one unless it's chewing on somebody because. I don't want to burn up my tag for spring. Yeah, so you got a you got a spring tag or no? Just uh, just I guess or fill my bag limit. I don't have a tag. Oh, just yeah, in, yeah, a, yeah. in a general area, I just I would prefer to hunt them there in the spring on bait because right. I'm lazy. Right. So are you still going? Are you still going down to Kodiak this here in a couple weeks? No, actually, I uh, I had to bail on that one. Um, just wasn't going to work. So, yeah, that that one seemed like a good time. I was like, I was jealous. I was like, wow, you guys got like the green team from '92 NBA to go down there, but uh, oh, it was gonna and, and I don't know. <laughs> give Nick, give Nick a call. It was a, uh, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a deer slaughter fest, and I'm sure Nick's gonna get a great brown bear. Oh, I'm sure that, that that's gonna be a good time for sure. I'm jealous, I couldn't go. I got I got jury duty in November, so I'm out of commission. Oh man! I got to do, do my civic duty. 
Well, and you hey, probably well, already... wanted to do it in September, but that don't work too well. For yeah, me, you so probably I, already I, postponed it. I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they went into September, but no, I, I just deferred it till November. So. Yeah, but. Uh... Yeah, well, anyway, I appreciate uh, appreciate you taking some time to chat. It's been great catching up. It's been way too long since we've actually had a chance to talk. Yeah, and we almost came all the way. I mean, we were in Ely here yesterday, so we were almost your way doing that goose hunt. But, uh, yeah. We, we, one of these days we'll get all the way up there and uh, be able to actually sit down and talk with the wives and actually, actually downside dinner. It'll be a good time. Yeah, yeah, sure will, man. So, uh, well, anyway, till I till I talk to you again, um, thanks for thanks for your time. And uh, where can people find you if they want to check out what you've been doing, Luke? Just Facebook, pretty much. Just Facebook. I'm not even sure if uh, my <laughs> profile public or private. Oh, or if not, there. but you <laughs> you do have stuff on rock. You you contribute to Rock Slide, don't you? I do. I'm a, I'm a pro staff on rockslide.com. I've been a Slack and have written an article almost a year, but uh, I'm pretty sure Ryan's going to probably tell me to do something. I, I have a couple of ideas. That's a good cover anyway. Yeah. So. But, uh, yeah, Luke's, <laughs> Luke's a uh, super, super knowledgeable guy. And, you know, if you're, you're wanting to talk, you're here from someone who has a lot of experience. He's your guy. I mean, what? You probably had more hunting and hunting time in the field every year than a lot of people get in ten or fifteen years. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's just all about getting out and have the experience. I definitely don't be the one to drop the hammer on something, but I still get to load up my backpack with quite a few animals and figure out what works and what doesn't. All right, well, thanks, Luke. And if uh, you guys have any questions or comments, you can email podcast at tundratalkak.com. Thanks.